0: Welcome back, friends. You're listening to Parenting for the Culture on the Black Love Podcast Network. And I am your host, Cherie Sims, mama to six beautiful heavens, ages 13, 11, 9, 7, 4, and 4. Y'all, did you hear how well I did that? I know everybody's ages today and everybody's names. And I am an early education specialist who works with PBS Early Learning. I am also a teacher and a parent coach, and a parent who makes all the mistakes and gets tired and needs to listen to other parenting podcasts, because I'm human. Uh, But I'm here, y'all, and I'm excited to be here. I am actually at my school right now. It is our spring break, and we have spring break camp, um, but I am not teaching this week. I'm just kind of a support. So I'm here. You may hear kids in the background, but we are going to roll with it. As always, I love to start with the peak and pit of my day. It's my way of connecting with you all. I hope it's something that you guys have picked up and are now doing with your own family and your own children, because it's a fun way to just find out about, you know, what's going on in one another's life. And it's an easier way rather than just like, how was your day? Which can be an open-ended question, which can make them not remember all the things that happened in the day. So sometimes if you look for the best part of the day and the worst part of the day, they're great conversation starters. Um, So the peak of my day is that two of my daughters, the 11-year-old and 9-year-old, were in Joshua Tree for the past four days for their spring break, and they were with uh, their class, and they just got home late last night, so I was super excited to see them and happy to have them home, happy to hear about all of their experiences that they had in Joshua Tree. And this morning, this is actually like even more of the peak. I was excited to see them. That was a peak last night. But this morning, when the littles woke up, they ran to the girls who just got home and, you know, gave the sisters some hugs and love and kisses. And we're so excited to see them. And it was just really sweet. You know, anybody out there with multiple children, you know that sometimes they fight and things are not so pretty. And you'd be wondering if you're doing a good job, <laughs> and if they're going to take care of each other when you're gone and if they're going to love each other. And so to watch them be excited to see each other to hear the way that they missed each other over the days when when they were gone and to watch them hug and just embrace each other and cuddle in the bed for a moment and like talk it was really beautiful and really set my morning off on the right foot i didn't even need coffee y'all you know i'm going to still get coffee but i didn't need it because watching my children love on each other like that sustained me this morning so that was the peak of my day um the pit of my day is that I miss my oldest daughter, who's still in Iceland, my little world traveler. And I haven't really gotten to talk to her. I've gotten like a couple of text messages here and there. And at first, I was getting really mad. I was like, girl, I told you that when you go to the other side of the world, or you know, when you travel, you better call me text me every day, I better hear your voice every day. And I'm sitting here and not hearing from her, texting her, waiting back to hear from her back. And mind you, there's a seven-hour time difference. So that also makes it hard to, like, catch each other when one another have a free moment. Um, but also, I was starting to take it personally personally. I was like, I thought that we get along. <laughs> I thought that we love each other. I don't understand why I'm not getting 20 pictures a day. I don't understand why I am not experiencing this trip with you in the moment. What did I do? What's wrong with our relationship? Where have I gone wrong? Y- y'all, I was spiraling. I was doing all the mother things. I'm like, are you safe? Are you okay? I know she's safe because, you know, I got the tracker. I could see where in Iceland she is. Um, I do get enough of little like, yes, I'm good. I'm having fun. Like three word text messages, right? So anyways, I found out that they're actually not really allowed to communicate with their parents on the trip. Part of the trip, same thing for Joshua Tree, part of their trip is the goal of disconnecting from technology and just enjoying life and experiences and nature and the place. And the children who are in Iceland are also, or teenagers who are in Iceland, They are also saving all of their pictures, all of their videos, all of their stories so that they can come home and like properly share with families. Uh, So I guess I have to be patient. I was like, all right, I got to tell my two year old self to sit down and be patient and wait for these things and just trust that she's having a good time. Her teachers have been doing a good job at like keeping us kind of in the loop. (laughs) Like we get a morning text and an evening text to let everyone know like, everybody's good, everyone's having an amazing time, and here's one picture of the day for you guys to keep you on your toes and to keep you sustained. So I appreciate all of it, and I'm really, really excited for when she comes back and when I get to uh, take this trip with her, this virtual trip that I've been trying to take on a daily. (laughs) Uh, But today, I know a couple of weeks ago, we talked about diving a little deeper into emotional regulation, And I want to talk about that today. So get out your pens and papers if you need to, but get ready. We're going to talk a little bit about emotional regulation. And if you have questions, especially this is one of those topics where I notice You learn something, you hear something, it resonates and you have a certain level of understanding. But then there's always a what if question that comes along with it or a very specific question that comes along with it. And so sometimes when we're learning these new techniques or skills or we're learning, gaining this new understanding, it can be hard to implement it into everyday situations because it takes a moment. It's it's literally kind of like learning a new language, learning a new thing. It takes a moment before you recognize the patterns and how they fit into all these different spaces. So if you find yourself listening and you're like, oh, that does make sense. And then you find yourself in a situation where you're like, wait, I remember what she said, but what specifically do I do here? Please email me. You can DM me at Cherise Sims on Instagram You can email podcasts with an S at blacklove.com, but send your very specific questions. You don't have to worry about bothering me. I'm here to support you. So I want to start off with a story. So we're in camp right now, and in camp we have some children that go to school here. We have some new children that we've not met before. And my three littles, who usually go to a different school, they're here with me today and every day that we've been at camp. And so they're also, you know, meeting new friends and having new experiences. And there is one friend in particular that has been hanging out next to Matilda. They're both like four or five years old. And so naturally they gravitate towards each other and they're playing. And for the most part, they play very well. But sometimes things happen you know kids take a lego that someone else is playing with or a child sits down where someone else was sitting down um and matilda keeps saying so-and-so is mean he's being mean and yesterday during pickup when mom came to pick up this other child matilda went up to the mom and she was like excuse me are you his mom (laughs) (laughs) she's like, he's being mean today. So we had to end up having a conversation about what that looked like. And I'm not going to get into all of that. I also do want to say that this is a conversation where I had like my coworker step in and manage it with the mom because I, I am sensitive when my children go through whatever and I'm the teacher on duty. It's a sensitive place for me to be in being the mama and also being the teacher. And I never want a child to feel like ganged up on. So this is one of those, I passed it to my coworker um, and he handled it. But the thing that I wanted to talk about with this, because then we get home and Matilda's like, can I watch TV? And I'm like, no, we're not watching TV right now. You're mean. Can I have some Oreos? No, we're not having Oreos right now. You're mean, right? So I'm noticing that there is a broad spectrum of experiences this child is having, all of which she's calling mean. And so this is in the realm of emotional regulation because a lot of times when our children get dysregulated or upset, Some of it is physical, some of it is biological, but some of it is also just their lack of vocabulary and their lack of ability to express what they're feeling. And when you think about children, it's like for the first few years of their life, all they have to rely on is their body to communicate with us, their cries to communicate with us. And it could be easy to think like, okay, so they're in the habit of communicating this way. Yes and no. We've talked about the brain development. We've talked about the issue of um, impulse control being something that develops over a span of 25 years. We've talked about uh, the staircases of the brain, right, how there are four levels and how that That fight or flight, that survival mode is the first level that we come into that comes into play anytime there's an experience that happens. And then there's the ability to choose your emotions and verbalize your emotions, and you got to walk up that staircase. And so often there's this disconnect. And if you are not clear on what I'm talking about, I want you to go back to previous episodes and listen because we did talk about this in detail in a previous episode. And I kind of want to move on to the next step here. So if you're not familiar with the staircase, pause this. Go back and listen to that episode and then come back and listen to the rest of this one. Let me say that this is for neurotypical children. If you have children that are autistic, that have sensory disorders, that have any type of developmental delay, these things may not work for them. And we can talk about that on a special episode. But for this, this works for your neurotypical child. Uh, so a lot of times with our children, we are quick to move to logic, which is at the top of the brain. When they are still in survival mode at the bottom of the brain. And we really got to take their hand and walk them up, right? That includes checking in with them, calming down their bodies, then addressing them and eventually getting to the logic with them. But in in that staircase and in that transition of going from my body is angry, I want to hit, I'm mad, to tell me what you're feeling. Like a lot of times I see parents watch their children on the floor and say, don't kick, don't scream, use your words, use your words but our children still have limited words. And this is where things get confusing because we might have a three-year-old or even a two-year-old or a four-year-old that speaks really well. And they may even have a great vocabulary where they're using words like literally and they're using words like actually and they're using other four and five syllable words. So we hear them speaking when they're calm or just in conversation at the dinner table or in the car and we're thinking, wow, they're so articulate. They're so well-spoken. And we expect them to have these same skills when they're upset. An emotional vocabulary is very different from your regular vocabulary. So they may have great adjectives and nouns and verbs and all these things to describe an experience in the day, but they might not have the emotional vocabulary to explain the feelings that they're having. So in the example of Matilda, she keeps repeating this word mean. You're mean. But really, she might be saying I don't like that you took my toy. And that might feel now what she knows as mean. She might have internalized this feeling of like mean and encapsulates a bunch of different things. Or she might she might actually be thinking like I'm not ready to go to bed. I don't want to go to bed. So when I'm telling her it's time to go to bed, oh, you're mean. So with Matilda, One thing that me and her are working on is really expanding her vocabulary to identify what she's feeling in that moment. And that sounds like me asking her, hey, Matilda, when you when you use the word mean, are you saying that I'm doing something that's unkind or are you saying that I'm asking you to do something you don't want to do? Are you saying that when he did this, it was unkind or are you saying that you want your toy back? And a lot of times she can, once you give her those options, she's able to say, oh, yeah, no, it's not that that was not kind. It's that I was still playing with that. It's that I'm still sitting in that chair. So we start to give those words. Okay, Matilda, well, instead of saying you're mean, can you try asking him for your chair back? Can you try letting me know you're not quite ready for bed and maybe we can read a book? So there are more words that we can give them to express the feelings that they're having, and that will help them in the long run. Again, this is one of those things that's an investment. But when it comes to emotional regulation and you're dealing with a child that's dysregulated and you're looking for them to say these feelings and you know explain to us how they're feeling, it's even harder because now our child has several jobs in the moment. Our child has to regulate their body. That means like balance their body. Regulation means that your body is meeting the environment that it's in. So if you're at a birthday party and everybody's jumping on a trampoline and screaming and having fun and your child is jumping on a trampoline and screaming and having fun, they're regulated. Their behavior is meeting the environment. If they're at a party and everybody's screaming and having fun and your child is in a corner kind of holding themselves close, very quiet and trying to look away, they're dysregulated. Their body is not matching the environment. And these are usually how we see signs of other underlying things going on. You might find that your child has a sensory disorder when it comes to sound or lights. And you're going to see that in these situations. If you're in a loud place and everybody's, be, you know, you're at a concert and everybody's being loud and enjoying the concert and somebody's in the corner, that lets you know that something's going on. They're dysregulated and it may be an indicator that you have to look at something else going on. If you're at home, And it's quiet and people are kind of chilling, reading a book, getting ready for bed. And you have a child that is like bouncing off the walls. They're dysregulated. It doesn't match the environment. So how do we regulate the body? How do we get there? The first thing I want to say is you start with validation. That sounds like, wow, I see you're really upset right now starts with validation. Once they feel like you hear them and know that there's a problem, they're going to stop. It's almost like think of a drowning person. If a person is drowning in water and they're screaming for help and you're just like, no, you're good. Get out of the water. They're probably going to scream louder because they're like, no, this person doesn't understand I'm drowning right now. So when you see your dysregulated child or your child having a tantrum or a meltdown, know that they are drowning in emotion and just telling them things is not going to help them. You're going to have to let them know. I see you. I see that you're drowning. I'm coming to help you. Then move on to trying to calm down the actual body. That's why sometimes you'll hear people say breathe. Unfortunately, right now, breathe is like the only thing or one of the only tools that we're trying to use. And breathing doesn't necessarily work for all children. One, they may not be able to take the breath in the moment. Two, they may not want to take the breath in the moment. So as we've talked about in the past, like fill their toolbox with more than one tool. Because if they can't access breathing in the moment, you want different tools. Some of the tools that work that help the actual physical body are hugs, but don't give the hug if they don't want it. So you just simply ask them, wow, you look really upset right now. Can I offer you a hug? They're either going to say yes or no. Wow, you look really upset right now. Can we take a breath together? They're either going to say yes or no. And sometimes when you work through the tools, one thing I find myself doing is leading by example. So if I say, do you want to take a breath together? And they say no, I might say, "Okay, well, I'm going to take a few breaths because I'm starting to feel myself get anxious or upset, and I'm going to calm my own body down. So I'm going to sit next to you. I'm going to take a few breaths. If you want to join me, I think that would be really cool. It kind of takes the pressure off them being forced that they have to do it. It gives them back the control and choice. Another thing that happens with dysregulation, it's usually triggered by a loss of choice, a loss of power. Notice that when your child gets into one of their moments, is having a tantrum, is is losing regulation, is has become dysregulated, it's usually in a moment where they have lost power and control, and that triggers them, right? So give them a sense of that power and control back. That doesn't mean let them run the show. It means give them choices. It means I'm going to take a breath and you're welcome to join me. Or it means I'm going to sit down and you're welcome to join me some things that regulate are movements like jumping. Sometimes I've told my children to do jumping jacks <laughs> to kind of shake their bodies up. One thing that I find really amazing and interesting is that children who are autistic often do things that regulate their bodies that for years we have found to be, quote, weird, unquote. And we have actually discouraged autistic children from doing these things that help regulate them when I personally think we should start teaching other people to do these things to help them regulate. For instance, humming or rocking or tapping or flapping your hands or walking back and forth. These are all things that regulate the body. Anything that has any type of rhythm helps regulate the body. And if you find yourself trying to do these things and you see that they're not working or they're escalating your child, then that is an indicator to you that maybe there are other things that I should look at, other patterns that I should look for that I can share with my pediatrician to see if maybe there is a diagnosis for my child. So first, validate your child. Now work on calming their body down. And you can look up a bunch of techniques. I'm actually going to put some resources for you guys in our Google Classroom where you can have regulation techniques and different things you can do. Now you can have a conversation with them to help them articulate what they're feeling. One model that I love it's called nonviolent communication. It was founded by Marshall Rosenberg. Uh, you can find his audiobook. It's called Compassionate Communication on YouTube. You can buy it on audiobooks. You can go to Barnes and Noble's and buy this book or on Amazon. I highly recommend that you read this book or listen to this book because it has been very helpful for me as a teacher and as a parent. And so when we walk through this NVC model of teaching our children how to communicate, we start with get your pens and papers. We start with observations, feelings, needs, and request. And that sounds like saying, so you state them as observations. You don't place judgment on it. So you don't say, I see you're trying to hurt my friend. If you're, if you're saying, I see, or you're trying to hurt me, that's a, that's a judgment the observation would be I noticed that you just put your hand on my body or I noticed that you just hit my body with your with your hand or you just kicked my body with your foot. That's the observation. Then you can state the feeling. I feel hurt when you kick me. Or you can state their feeling. Are you feeling angry? Then you say what you're needing. Or you teach them to say what they're needing. So I'm wanting for us to be able to get to bed in a healthy safe way. And then you make a request. Would you be willing? And a lot of times if we add play in, it helps with the requests. But the request would be like, do you think I can get to the bedroom faster than you can get to the bedroom? That's how we would incorporate request and play. And when they're upset, you start to teach them this language by asking them to say, I feel what? I'm noticing that you're crying. Are you crying? Yes. Yes. Can you tell me I'm crying because I feel, and then they can let us know I'm crying or I'm screaming because I feel like I don't want to turn off the TV. I feel like I'm having a lot of fun because I'm playing with my toys right now. So rather than just you're mean, you're mean, this all sucks. like You can start to teach them how to break down the actual moment that they're in. I specifically feel this because I do or don't want to do this. Maybe I want to continue play. Then they can say, talking about their needs, I would like X, Y, and Z. And this doesn't mean that you give it to them. You just allow them the space to talk about it. I don't know if you've ever had a bad day, but just the ability to talk about what's bothering you helps you to feel better. That is something that's regulating, just being able to get it out of your body, whether that be through tears or through words. Another thing that I do, and again, these things are outside of the moment, is talking about this morning I noticed you were really upset when it was time to put our shoes on and go. Can you tell me how you were feeling? They probably limited and I was feeling mad, I was feeling sad, whatever else. You can ask the question, can you tell me where you were feeling it? By that, I mean, did you feel it in your throat? Do you feel it in your chest? Do you feel it in your hands when you're angry? You can ask them where they feel it. This is going to help them later on as they build the skills to start to recognize what's actually happening in their body so that they can tend to their body, the places that it's affecting them in their body, and also articulate it, right? And this also helps you with tools. If you are feeling it in your chest, you actually know that that's probably anxiety and not anger. If you're feeling it in your throat, you actually know that you're probably feeling unheard right now. Like you're mad because your words have lost power and you're feeling it in your throat. If you're feeling it in your stomach, that's probably anxiety also. You also ask them questions like I've recently been pointing out with my children. um, I'll say, hey, have you noticed that every day? Or I'll say like, uh, my children have a breakdown, uh, one of my children in particular, they have a breakdown every day at around 3.15. And really, it's just like, it's the end of the day. She's tired. She hasn't yet had a snack. So one, I notice I got to give you a snack at this time. But two, I start to say to her, oh my God, it's 3.15. And I see that you're so upset. That's day one. Day two, oh Lord, it's 3.14. And I see that you're so upset. Day three at three o'clock, I'll say, hey, have you noticed that every day these past few days around 3.14, 3.15, you're feeling really upset? When's the last time you had a snack? Do you think maybe we should start having snacks at 3 o'clock to see if that helps us for our 3.15 meltdowns or our 3.15 upsets? What do you think? Do you think maybe we should close our eyes for five minutes at 3.10? In preparation for that. So we're starting to teach our children to also be conscious. We're aware, we're conscious, but we're also teaching our children how to be conscious. Now, one more thing that I want to talk about is what do we, the parent, do in the moment when our child is on the floor and we find ourselves getting upset and we just want to snatch them up? We have to practice these tools that we're trying to teach our kids. The same way that we're trying to teach our children tools outside of the moment, how to communicate, how to identify their needs, We want to teach ourselves the same thing. This time, we're not necessarily telling our child, I'm feeling this, this, and that. They probably don't care. They're on the floor. They're mad about their own thing. You're talking to yourself. Identify your own feelings and your own needs. And I know a lot of times people say, like, say affirmations in this moment or say mantras in this moment. Because you also have to consider the fact that we were raised in a period where we were not allowed to feel emotions. So our brains are telling us these emotions are not okay. And then another interesting fact that I found out recently is that when we're pregnant, our brain goes through chemical changes and our brain rewires itself to find threats. You know, we are now mama bear. We're in charge of protecting our children. So our brain is peaked and spiked for being able to recognize and find threats as a tool for protection. But not all of these things are perceived threats. So now we're triggered because we're our child is doing something we were told we're not supposed to do. We're also triggered because our brains are on heightened alarm for threats and protection. So we're ready to just go in and protect the situation. These are one of those moments you want to tell yourself you're safe. You want to validate yourself and be like, man, this sucks. I hate dealing with this. I hate how bedtime feels, but we're going to get through it. So for my mamas that are having a hard time in the moment, their child's on the floor, if your child is safe and not going to get hurt and you feel yourself welling up with anger, Step away from for a moment. You take that breath. You validate yourself. I am feeling frustrated because this mm, is frustrating as hell. Take a moment to breathe. Do some taps yourself. We talked about tapping before. Do some taps. Do the box breathing. But take a moment to walk away and be like, this feels so hard right now because it is hard. And then when you're ready and you've had a moment, come back and try the tools. And sometimes you can cheat. You don't have to walk through all the language in the moment. Sometimes you might have to just be like, you know what? It's bedtime. I see that you don't like it. I know you were having fun playing, but it is bedtime. You can walk to your bed or I got to carry you to your bed. We're not always in the mood for making it a game and making it fun. And sometimes we need to get to our night. So we just got to do what we got to do. And we got to hold that boundary and say, this is what it is. But even when holding the boundary and trying to do it kind of quick and firm, we can still at least validate what they're feeling. I see that you're not ready for bed and you want to play some more, but it is bedtime. How do you want to get to bed? So my friends, your homework for this week is easy. easy. Go to Google Classrooms. It's right here in the show notes. It's also in the link in my bio on Instagram, at Cherie Sims. I want you to join our Parenting for the Culture podcast club. I am going to upload some resources there from uh, feeling wheels, feeling charts, feeling thermometers, different tools that you can use to help your child. You can actually print them out so you can go over with your child outside of these moments and teach them their feelings and find the language and the labels for these different emotions. But I'm going to put some resources in there for you that you can print out and use at home. Uh, And I'm also there if you have questions on how to use these or anything else. Uh, But that's your homework. Go there, join the club, uh, and engage with us. I look forward to engaging with you. And I look forward to connecting with you further. Thank you guys for always coming back and listening. Thank you for your views and your stars. And thank you for sharing with a friend. I'll see you guys next time. Peace, everybody.